0: The UFO Roundtable. The UFO
1: Thinker and Pursuit of the Paranormal Podcasts.
2: Okay, so welcome back to another monthly Roundup Roundtable discussion. As always, myself, Frank, UFO Thinker Podcast as well as Ash and Greg from Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast Hello. and UFO Hello. Identified. How are you doing, chaps? All right? Wonderful, thank you. Wonderful. Yeah, very good. Very good. All good. And back once again, the inimitable Dave Smethurst. How are you doing today, mate? <laughs> oh,
0: no, very good, Frank. Inimitable. Very good.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm trying yes. to get... Gonna be creative yeah. with your intro, you see.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, very, very good. I, you know, I'm in good form actually. Uh, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with Ash though. Uh, oh, no. When he was when he was doing his show on bloody uh, on different origins when he was asked about the crypto terrestrial hypothesis, he said, "No, not for me. No chance." <laughs> I was thought, "You, you know, <laughs> I your article.
1: That is awesome.
0: No, no, it was good. Yeah. He was am only joking. He was at devil shows really. I've just been saying. You've done some great shows recently, really good, the one with Holly, Jason Cleves, there's been loads of them, all the, f- so you, I don't know what you've, well, you've been good anyway, but I don't know what you've been doing, lads, it's fantastic, I've been really enjoying it. So yeah. there you go, and, and tenor as usual, I think, isn't it, gentlemen, <laughs> After Yeah,
3: our <I'll> PayPal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Excellent, so... So yeah, get, getting stuck straight into the actual topics then, as usual, I'll do my little intros or not so little intros as the case usually is uh, to introduce the, the the topics and then go around and get some thoughts uh, from you guys. So first up is the the delayed, hotly anticipated UAP report, which is supposed to have been released by the Arrow so Arrow is the latest rebranded version of the what used to be the AOIMSG, which was set up as a result of the Gillibrand Amendment in the 2022 NDAA. And the AOIMSG itself was following on from the UAP Task Force, which in the past was the central group responsible for compiling citing reports from the military and generating analysis reports for release there to Congress and, and also uh, to the to the public as well. And um, this has been a bit of a convoluted evolution process. And this latest version, uh, known as the uh, All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, ARROW, um, obviously is is still ongoing. But even that is due to be changed when this newest legislation passes with the the new name set to be the UAPJPO, which is the Joint Programme (laughs) Office. Or to give it its full title, the Unidentified Aerospace-Undersea Phenomena Joint Program Office, snappily (laughs) named, but probably better than the AOIMSG name anyway. But, yeah, many have have questioned whether or not the kind of constantly shifting sands that this office in its various iterations is built on will have perhaps destabilised the whole process. The goalposts seem to have been moved constantly since the original UAP task force, and sometimes that's in a good way, sometimes in a bad way, and... I put this down to a bit of that tug of war between those pushing for increased transparency and those that are seeking to bury this and that kind of internal battle going on. And the the AOI MSG itself has been described by many as we've talked about on the roundtables quite a lot as a bit of a preemptive strike by the DOD to sort of set up their own office before the Gillibrand amendment actually went through, which then allowed them to sort of get more control and more you know ways they can wriggle out of the requirements of that legislation. And I sort of think that newest language that's in the current legislation for uh, the the fiscal year 23 is a response to that, like a massive toughening up of those requirements and doubling down by Congress, essentially Congress not taking no for an answer. But obviously... More wriggle out attempts will inevitably follow and probably a tug of war will go on for many years to come. But getting back to the the report specifically, um, because of that constantly changing requirements and parameters and wriggle out attempts and everything, has has the Arrow actually had staff and resources to actually do anything at all? I've sort of wondered that in the past whether or not they've been very much in this report or whether there may be a delay or perhaps no report at all and it did sort of cross my mind that they might not have had the time or the resources to actually get anything going and it seems that well there isn't a report just yet so what are the reasons for this delay are we going to perhaps see this report at all what's going to be in it is it better perhaps to receive no report at all than a nothingburger report a lot, lot of different things to consider with it so what do you guys reckon of that? And uh, perhaps start with you, Dave. I know you've got a lot to say on that one.
0: Well, I mean, we can see old Kirkpatrick, can't we? What a pillar of efficiency he was. He's just worse, if not you know as bad or as worse. Oh saying how great he was, he got the job done, and what's he done? Absolutely nothing. So there you go. Not that I would like to say I told you so, but there you go. Anyway, you can tell I've not got much time for him. But he should have been out, shouldn't he, on the thirty-first? There was an and New York Times article by Julian Barnes, which we all saw as a bit of a hit piece. And at first it was fears there was going to be a bit of a nothing burger or even a walk back. And then when it didn't appear, we thought, oh no, there might be a bit of retaliation getting in first and they were going to go for that in the article. So we're thinking, oh, maybe it means a good thing. They think about it, then there was absolutely nothing. So like you say, Frank, I think there's a pretty big battle. Going on behind the scenes, uh, some it could be that the report was uh, submitted and sent back because it wasn't good enough. We don't know that. I mean, I've not heard that. There's not been any leaks, or it could be that they've not got enough staff. So you know, uh, and th- they haven't actually had enough staff to do it. You know, and because uh, remember this time, the first report was just basically a rehash of the UAP office report. You know those sightings. So they, it was all in one place, but this time. They might have been told they've actually got all the different agencies and actually do something. But if they haven't got much staff, that could be a lot more time consuming. Uh, so, so it could be that. But uh, so, so I've just been coming to think it's going to appear. But then I heard Danny Sheehan last night on Jimmy Church. And he was saying that that office could well be disbanded. Uh, you know, when this new legislation comes in. And I come to think anyway, there's some weird connection between the legislation and the report. I couldn't put my finger on it. But when I heard Danny speak, he seems to think that uh, it, it might... He didn't say this, but the implication was it might not happen at all if they disband it. So they might just be waiting to see which way the wind blows on the report uh, or on the legislation, and then that'll determine the contents. Or they might be thinking, well, we might not have to bother it, and we'll just delay it and kick it into the long grass. But it's certainly... Uh, It's certainly a bit weird. So my view has changed. I thought it's going to come out sometime and it's probably going to have some quite good content. And the, the bigger the delays, to a certain extent, the better the content was going to be. But I'm now of the opinion it might just get kicked into the long grass. So there you go. That's what I think.
2: Yeah. And we were talking about that a bit before, weren't we, with uh, Danny Sheehan's comments from last night. I, I don't know if we've all had a chance to check that out, but it was only literally like last night. So obviously pretty fresh, hot off the press, that one. But yeah, I think I think uh, basically the, the legislation itself, like the actual wording basically says that as soon as this um, legislation goes through, the current Arrow office will just basically cease to exist and then it will be the new office with all the updated requirements and all the rest of it. But see the thing I thought, even even having read through the all the, the proposed wording and everything, is that surely they still have to kind of, you know, do the homework, like get it done. Because <laughs> it's like yeah. it almost seems a bit like we like you were saying, Dave, that like uh, like Danny Sheehan was sort of suggesting that they've gone well, you know, this new legislation. We're going to be redundant soon anyway, so we'll just just not bother. And I'd, I really hope that that's not the case because that'd be disgraceful, wouldn't it? Really, I mean, with all the the various changes, you'd you'd hope that there'd be some kind of thread of continuity through it, or whether actually doing some work on this thing, you know. But we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, do we? Um, what do you reckon, Ash? Any thoughts to add on all that, mate?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean this is why you you just have to not get excited (laughs) about this stuff when it's got these reports. Every six months we're gonna get these reports, this information. And it's like, well, they're supposed to do that, but in reality, what's actually gonna happen and we've seen it now, like literally for the second report that's due, silence. It's just nowhere to be seen. Like and I think like you said then Frank about if you think in the argument be made redundant, you have to sort of redo what they're actually doing with the office it's going to be so way down on the list of things you got to do that it's just not a priority at all i think I think for us because obviously we're in it and like on ufo twitter and stuff where we're always talking about it it's big for us but for the people actually doing it it's probably just not any sort of priority at all especially with you've got all the elections going on at the minute and stuff that's going to be taking some of the sort of congress people's sort of priorities and stuff as well so it's one of them where like like dave said i on kick it into the grass and just think, yeah, that doesn't matter. No one actually really cares about that at the minute, so let's just not do it. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's wishful thinking, I think. And apart from that, let's, yeah. If we got a report, I don't think there'd be much in it anyway. It's just, again, until we actually get something, it's not worth getting excited about. Until this has been published, this has been released, it's not worth even getting excited about. Just get mm. disappointment.
2: Almost sets a bit of a worrying precedent as well, doesn't it? Because I mean, there's only really been one other report, and that one was like on the day it was supposed to have been released. So you know, with with that, you think, oh, this looks pretty hopeful. They said they were going to do it on a certain date, and they actually did it. And you know, mm-hmm. there's things in it that are quite interesting, even though it's not like you know some kind of huge bombshells or anything like that. But we get to this one; it's not really been the case, has it? So yeah, like you yeah. say, we're just going to have to wait and see if and when and you know, I'll see what happens. What do you reckon, Greg? So <clears throat> coming from the outsider kind of view
3: that I provide, I think that it, they will be checking what the public appetite is, not the UFO Twitter appetite, not what the UFO community appetite is, but what the global appetite is for it. And... I think that, that's what we spoke about when the, the first report came out and said actually to a, a layperson, it was actually a big, big story. But to everybody sort of from the UFO community, it wasn't so much that. So maybe I think there was, there was stuff leaked before. There was a, a thing in the Daily Mail talking about 50% of the cases couldn't be explained And maybe at that point, because there wasn't so much hysteria from the public, because obviously there's a lot of other shit going on at the moment with the wars, cost of living crisis, COVID still in all over the place, Um, especially like China. And there's a lot bigger pressing things that the normal person has to deal with than are these objects in the sky real? Which we all know they are, and the US government has said that they are. But is there the public appetite? Because they're going to have to go to the public for money. They've got NASA on board now doing their thing. So is there a need to, they could sort of like swallow it up around the back of the NASA thing and say, look, NASA are the, the forefront of all of the space exploration. Let's just pump it all into them. So if they keep it quiet... They're saying nothing is better than saying something. And I think as soon as they mention something, they either have to back it up or they have to explain more. By saying nothing, you can't get yourself into any further trouble. If you change all these um, acronyms, people just get lost. And I know after days leading up to and after the 31st of October, people are like, is it going to be here? There was like a website, uh, one of the, Come can't remember it was on Twitter, had got the link saying, click here to, to view the report as soon as it comes out. And it was, it's kind of just lost steam. And I think, is it going to get to a point where it's too late for them to bring it out to have any kind of credibility? Don't know, don't know. So
2: they can just let it
3: fade out. And the next story will come out soon.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting kind of to consider like what, what your comments there kind of open up is like how much of this is strategic? Like, uh, is it a case of like the deliberately not releasing it and seeing what the reaction is to that? If there's absolute outrage on UFO Twitter, which there clearly is, UFO Twitter's been going crazy about this you know what i mean about the report not coming out but like is it a test in the waters thing you know those articles that came out some of them you know sort of pre-debunking things and saying oh it's nothing you know nothing to see here and other ones kind of saying oh actually we've heard some to the opposite of that very very interesting thing how much of that is is kind of deliberate and how much of it is just speculation coming from you know outside observers and again like with the actual report not being released is is that incompetence is it You know, the fact that there's been all these changes or is it a deliberate thing? You know, that's interesting to think about.
3: You just have to look at the way COVID was handled in the UK and all the announcements came out before, like a week before they are going, you're not going to be able to see anybody for Christmas Day. There was massive uproar and then they kind of, they change it slightly by the time it comes out. So it's almost like they leak a lot, gauge the public reaction and again, not UFO Twitter reaction, public. Because it's the public as a whole. It's like 300 odd million people in America and not all of those are on UFO Twitter. So it's those kind of people that you've got to gauge the response from. And if and nobody's that bothered, why, why would you resource it or pump money into it? That's just just my thought. They can just let it die. Mm. I don't think the battle is, though.
0: I don't think the battle is with the people. I don't think the people know much about it, to be honest. I think this is a battle between the Congress and the the government, and there's a battle about legitimacy. I mean, he promised, they went, Moultrie and Kirkpatrick went, and promised Celia Gillibrand it was all going to get sorted out. This hasn't been sorted out. The Congress think they've been lied to. There's a lot of stuff about that. And I think this is a bit of, and I think it's serious for him not to have done this and I think they're playing their old game of waiting to see what turns up. They're, they're hoping they can put a fix in where if they don't pass this bill before the, the House of Representatives uh, changes hands. And I think, I, I don't think it's a... It's a te, you might be right, I, I don't know, you. that could be right, so I'm not dismissing that, but I think it's more about an internal battle. And uh, and I, I can't believe the chance, but it could just be incompetence. It could just be, like I said, but they're not able, they haven't got the people to actually do, get round all them departments, because as I say, it is a different report this time, it was easy last time, because they just had essentially a load of data, somebody had already connected up, but they would to do it for real, but, but I can't see them just going, oh let's just see how we go, because it's too serious, there's a lot of quite senior senators and big committees who control their appropriations, who are waiting for this, but I, I do think they might be chancing their arm, I mean ideally they would walk it back knock this on the head and then Bray the had come back say low information zone and everybody had shuffle off after about six months but I just I think it's gone too far for that now so anyway so that's my alternative view but there could be a bit of both going on in fairness because I don't I don't
1: yeah I, I think it is just for me it's just low pay like it comes into work well, I'll I'll focus on this today and sometimes else comes in I say yeah fuck it I'm gonna do this instead and right, that's how that's how I, I think it is and spending that much time changing the name of it it's like is that what's important like it seems to be more effort put into actually like what it's going to be called rather than actually doing anything like say it could be staffing resources money whatever and they might just be waiting until like january comes around again well
0: well ash with that kind of attitude they'll be right on the phone to you to head the department won't they? That'll, be, <laughs> yeah. that'll be right oh god he's just the type of fellow we want.
1: like my phones are my (laughs) not your
0: attitude obviously As the attitude that you're (laughs) ascribing to them god yeah that that could be right though that god i hope it isn't
2: (laughs) you know i was thinking as well what what's that you might know um dave i know you follow the the u.s legislation stuff quite closely there's a there's a date where they have to have the the uh, ndaa signed off by i think it's January. The first uh, of January. Well,
0: it, technically, it's the end of the month, but it can be signed. I think it's up till 12 o'clock or, or something like that in January. So they've, right. they've got, a, and that's, if they don't do that, the appropriation, uh, uh, they, technically, haven't got a defence budget, which is why they tied it all in the first place, if you remember. They have strapped it all to that particular firework, knowing that if anybody tried to do it in, it mean there'd be no defence spending. And at the time, they didn't think that would happen. Now, you also know the Republican fellow his name escapes me, who's going to be the new leader. They're going they're attacking all the democratic legislation on woke grounds, you know, removing all the woke stuff. And the NDAA, as they would see it, has got bits of that in it. I don't think it has, but that's their political view. So 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 they're itching to get in to stop it, aren't they? He said, Oh, I wish they'd delay it, they lead the new Republican leader. Well, that's like a lion saying to a gazelle, I oh, wish you'd slow down a bit before you got into that forest. You know, <laughs> no. So they've definitely got to do it before. They've got six weeks, but well, it's probably more like four and a half weeks now. Uh, and I think they'll, they'll definitely, well, what I think and what happens is a big difference. There might not be, but I think they've definitely got to pass it beforehand. That's when the hearing stuff might kick off. We'll get yeah.
2: It's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, it's like a lot of these things that we talk about with, like, government secrecy and whatnot. There's a lot happening behind a curtain of secrecy that are not even necessarily secrecy in this case. It's just like, you know, you don't get to see what's going on behind closed doors in these kind of offices and whatnot. But, uh, you know, it has crossed my mind that there's a legislation, this new tougher legislation for the the, uh, UAP Joint Programme Office is, is all tied up now in that congressional language and i think that's pretty much a done deal so the people who are actually working on this report maybe they've just gone well you know we'll just delay it for a little bit and inevitably that's it has to be signed off by a certain date we'll just delay it and delay it and then that that new one's going to come in anyway and then we're out of here so i think whether it's the same people or just the requirements to actually create that report won't really matter at that point because it'll be a new set of timelines in terms of reports being generated and whatnot. It could be a combination of all of these things, couldn't it? You know, it's difficult to uh, to say, but the proof will be in the pudding, as they say, and we'll see what happens. Anyone got anything else they'd like to add on the report delay?
1: Those thing's sort of been like, over the past 12, 18 months, two years, you've been quite lucky you've been getting quite a lot of information from like, official sources and stuff and all this happening. And because it's been quiet... Like the past six months, and we've not got this report. Is everyone's like itching to bite, like waiting for that something to happen because that's not happening now? It's like, what's gonna happen? What is anything gonna happen this year? We're gonna get anything. It's just like waiting for something to happen because we've not got it. It's just a bit boring. <laughs> Good point, now
2: yeah, there's a lot to, to think about with it. I mean, the other thing is that um, if Bray at the hearing was saying that the the original, how many was it now? I forget, they had 141 cases, was it, or something that they had in the original uh, task force report? Um, and he was saying that they've got something like another 400 that have come in because they sort of streamlined the reporting processes to get more information about cases. And obviously, again if it could be a combination of that massive amount of workload of shifting sifting through all of that and putting it into a report you know along with you know very low staff and poor resources and all of the changing of parameters of what they're supposed to be doing and the name changes and the midterms the ukraine and russia thing going on in the world all the rest of it you know a combination of all of them things it's not really looking good, is it, sort of thing? And, you know, could be a mixture, like a bit of a perfect storm of, of all of this, you know.
0: This report has been a roller coaster, though. That's what I was trying to say when I was first talking. I, you've been up and down. Is it going to happen? What? And it's been a bit like that. So I've gone from thinking, oh, they're going to do it. They're not going to do it. So mm. it's a bit of a weird one. It could be anything, what we've been saying, really. It's so hard to call it, as the guys were saying. So difficult. Mm. But it has been a real roller coaster. Probably maybe a few more, you know, loops yet, I suppose,
2: you know. Yeah, well, we'll see. But I, th- I think um, we'll, we'll get on to, because it kind of ties into that, some of those big hype predictions that we said would uh, come to fruition. Uh, and imminently, last month when we did the roundtable, there was all this hype and speculation. And obviously one of those was that report. So we might as well go on to those next. So there was a point at the end of last month we talked about these hype and speculation type things going around, reaching a bit of a fever pitch on Twitter, lots of big predictions being made by many people. And uh, we, we said back then that it'd be interesting to revisit those predictions to see how much of it came to fruition and actually happened. And, well here we are a month later um and i'm not talking about naming and shaming like individual people for the predictions and stuff because that could be a a tricky path to tread um but you know we'll just look at the predictions themselves and see how much of the actual things that were being discussed actually came to pass so obviously there was the october the 31st reports we just said many people said it was going to be disclosure you know they're going to wheel out the bodies and other people said it was going to be a nothing burger and as we've just said well, nothing happened at all. Not even a nothing burger. It's like less than nothing. <laughs> and then there was also the um, the entity uh, pictures from the Virginia, Brazil um, being uh, that was that was cited there and supposedly footage and, and, and uh, photographs and things of, of that uh, that being. And perhaps even in, in connection with the New York Times front page was one of the things that had been doing the rounds. People were speculating that that would happen. Uh, obviously. Didn't happen. And I don't think there's much news on the actual footage as well. Uh, I believe uh, James Fox offered a huge reward of something like $200,000, I believe it was, for the footage. And, um, you know, there were some, some discussions, but there's not really been anything concrete come forward. Um, apart from a couple of scam incidents. I believe Ryan Sprague from Somewhere in the Skies <laughs> was offered the footage for uh, ten thousand grand. And yeah. it's like, oh, I'm not sure really if there's already a two hundred grand offer on the table. That seems a bit suspect, <laughs> doesn't it? Um but you know, um and then there was also back then some speculation about some of these other like relatively small things that were going on, like the NASA Mars photograph, remember that, and the 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 emergency meeting between the UK Defence Secretary and the US Defence Secretary that took place. Uh, Obama's comments on on aliens um, and UAP in, in a video, and uh, there was a lot of speculation. All this was tied together as part of some grand thread, which was suggesting that something huge was coming up, um, you know, world changing disclosure in literally the next few days. Uh, obviously. None of it really actually panned out in the end, um, did it? Um, so, yeah, is, is there a sort of cautionary tale there? I'm sure, Ash, you'll definitely think that th- 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 there is. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you reckon, mate?
1: I think, I guess, coming back to what I said a few moments ago about it's uh, been quiet for a while, everyone's chomping at the bit, and then all these sort of hypes starting. And it's just we see it so often on Twitter, on Reddit, on the groups, just... Someone comes along or some ideas come along, they pick up steam and nothing happens. So like, ah, just bullshit again. We're almost down the line. Same thing's happened again. Everyone's on the train again. It's like, get off the train. Just wait, wait for it to stop. Like, stop jumping on it. Just wait. See if anything happens and then talk about it. I mean, it's just, there's too much going on. Too many, too many billy bullshitters. Uh, just want to get a bit of a name for themselves. Right, great. Well, you see, people like they come along and get like five thousand followers in like a couple of months, and it's all spouting bullshit. And like, it's like the same what you want to hear. Like, and that's why when the traction, and more people talk about it, they get more popular. And like I say with the with the recent stuff, I'm not. I mean, a month ago, all that stuff you mentioned, obviously, nothing's really come of it. I'm not sure as anything's happening recently. Like, sort of the last week or so. I'm not sure. I don't mean on Twitter too much. It's really. Busy time of the year for UFO Identified. Um So I've not been on Twitter that too much uh, the last past week or so. But I've not seen anything that's sort of bringing up any more hype as we go into the end of the year. So I think, yeah, I think it's just, I think that's it for the year for me. To be honest. Mm.
2: Yeah, sort of ride it out, ride out the hype storm until the new year, eh? And then deal with it all then. It's one of them, isn't it, at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Hype, hype is gonna hype sort of thing you know there's always gonna be people out there that that enjoy that side of things and obviously there's a, there's a market for it as it were you know people do sort of engage it and these things often do go viral don't they but um, yeah gotta just kind of take it all with a pinch of salt really I think and uh, Ash that's why we love you mate you're always bringing us down to earth with these things <laughs> bringing you down oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon Greg? Uh, <clears throat>
3: unfortunately I'm very much on Ash's wavelength there. I, um, for everybody wants to be popular, regardless of what people say, they want to be liked. <clears throat> so it'll always be these people that come along, like Ash said, predict these events, predict these good things that are coming, tell you what you want to hear, massage the UFO Twitter ego a little bit, <clears throat> create this sort of hype. And we all sit here every, we've sat here months and months talking about people making predictions and and such like and nothing coming of it. But we all, there's always that little nugget that you just want it to be true. And I think that's because there hasn't been anything concrete for a while now. And you think before the New York Times article in 2017, there was no real big hype trains come in this this quickly and this often, very much like Ash said. So when nothing comes, people probably open a little bit more to being sort of whipped up into a bit of a frenzy, only to be let down yet again. Always a bridesmaid, never the bride type um, feeling. And <clears throat> I think it's that. I get I get excited about seeing stuff, even if it's a certain account. I can't remember the guy's name. If it is a guy Um, and he's always saying that it's just coming around the corner. And just once you just think, you know what? It would actually be quite nice. If anything, these guys are saying all this bullshit, that's say it being said would actually come true because it would just, it would be nice. (laughs) It would be nice. But the problem is it always happens and it comes in waves that people expect a lot. We don't get much. But we're always fed just enough. So, like the previous reports, we're always fed just enough to keep everybody a little bit happy. Just keep that little hype train just going and going and going. So, it's just a—it's a strange old place, UFO Twitter. Um, I've been caught up in Elon Musk taking over Twitter in my news feed, so the UFO <laughs> stuff <laughs> gets pushed down with Elon Musk just. Going off on one at everybody about blue check marks. So, um, yeah, I'd just mirror Ash completely for once. Yeah. <laughs> downbeat approach to <laughs> disclosure.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think it's good. you know, taking these yeah. kinds of things with a pinch of salt is, is absolutely the right way to go. I mean, I think there's been some pretty interesting things happening as well, but that I've, I've perhaps not been quite so sensational sort of thing you know what i mean a lot of the time there's a lot of very good research going on but it's not necessarily as like bombastic you know what i mean it's not the sorts of things that go as as viral and um with these various like hype people that come along it's kind of a case of like you know if something seems too good to be true it usually is you know if someone's telling you i I know something and disclosure's coming in three days Come back to my account tomorrow, and and I'll tell you more. You know, it's it's probably worth taking that with a, a pretty large pinch of salt, isn't it? And uh, yeah, trying to trying to fish fish through and and uh, avoid all that side of things, and try and find the, the the more sensible research that's going on. You know, deeply a bit more deeply buried in the uh, in the vaults of UFO Twitter. What do you reckon, Dave? I
0: mean, the thing the field has always been riven with Billy bullshitters for decades, hasn't it? Let's be honest. A good phrase. Dash. And before 2017, all it was a right for them because they could bullshit all they wanted, and there was nothing really to contradict it. So we got a lot of groups of bullshitters, and in fact, a lot of them stops wearing too much Frank. You might get torn off the air. But anyway, anyway, uh, they all got they all become like the disenfranchised and annoyed sort of minority after 2017 to some extent because their gravy train had ended. So I think when 2017 came up, the field sort of got a bit more disciplined because there was, there, was, there was more information. So I think it has improved to a certain extent. But I think you're right. I mean, the lesson for me is not to connect too many things together. And I think there's two types of things going on. I think you've got, it's a bit like football transfers. You might know a certain player could go to Manchester United. And so they say, oh, yeah, he's definitely going because they want to get clicks. And it's a bit like that with the UFO thing. They make up a theory, like you guys were saying. Then they just put it out there and hope they get clicks, as you were saying. So there's all that. They all like to look at me, and there's a lot of that going on. But there's also, and I've talked to people who have told me things are going to happen, and they, they're not bullshitting me. They, they think it is. And something happens behind the scenes. Somebody does another move to knock it off. The, there's an argument going they and that is that has been genuinely derailed. And I think there's been an element of all these weird things like that thing on Mars and all the rest of it, which was interesting. All the other things you were saying, Frank, where people have falsely connected them. But I think there was a core of stuff that I think has been derailed. Like James Fox said, something was going to happen, didn't he, on the, uh, at the end of October, it didn't. I think Ross Coulter alluded to something else. There's a few people said something. And I think if this battle's been going on, some things have been knocked off. I think there's a lot to what Ash says. We've been we've been feasting on the this diet of great stuff, and and then people want to keep it going. And like you were saying, Greg, but I do think I do think without all this, there is been a big step change since 2017. We've got this legislation in place, and it is different to decades ago. I think some of is going to happen in the medium term, if not the short term. And I think when this legislation gets passed, I think it's going to will be in a slightly different scenario. So while it's the typical hype training, we should ignore it. I think the underlying situation is a bit different to it has been in decades before, but that's where I'm coming from. But the biggest lesson was not to connect too many things up. Cause I even know it when I'm listening to it. Oh no, you think, no, you can't connect that. Even though you like, you say, Oh, that's great. That'd be great. if That'd be true. You do get sucked into it a bit, but you know, there's just too much going on. And there are a lot of clickbait merchants out there who, 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 who just love it, don't they? And they absolutely full of it. But yeah, so, but I'm optimistic. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it's easy to fall into that trap and, and, you know, you've not got to be gullible I suppose.
2: Yeah, definitely. And it's about, you know, managing expectations as well, isn't it? You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, you know, like this one Twitter account is going to solve the problem and reveal all the secrets to the mystery. And then obviously, you know, a week later, nothing happens and, you know, you'd be pretty gutted. But if you just kind of go, oh, okay, another person saying that this thing is going to happen, let's see what what, what pans out. And then you're not going to be too disappointed when it doesn't actually come to fruition, are you? But yeah, um, anybody got any other bits to add on that side of things? <clears throat> well, well we'll crack on with something actually uh, quite interesting that happened but is perhaps a little bit less you know the sort of thing that would uh, you know get a lot of uh, people retweeting it and, and being excited about it on ufo twitter but is very very important nonetheless um which is recently announced was this effort led by veteran ufo researcher david marler uh, author of the book Triangular UFOs, an estimate of the situation and a veteran, a real veteran of the field. And he, he has led an effort basically to set up, and, uh, and they recently announced this, a National UFO Historical Records Center. And this is a non-profit organization which aims to house a physical archive of UFO research materials to be based in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. And um, I've got a bit to read out from the press release, but I think it's worth reading out. It's a little bit long, but just to give the, uh, the the clarity. So, quote, Our mission is to collect, preserve, and provide historical UFO materials to the general public and interested parties. With the accumulated data, we hope to assist with serious research endeavors and aid in an accurate chronicling of UFO and UAP history for the present and future generations, regardless of belief or non-belief in the subject. Individual US researchers and historians have amassed large collections of data over the decades. These have been home-based archives scattered throughout the country. The National UFO Historical Records Center has been created to gather and centralize this historical UFO data in the United States into a singular freestanding facility with the physical holdings residing in the Albuquerque area. These will be made available to those who visit in person while efforts will be underway to actively digitise these materials for global accessibility, unquote. Now, one thing I'm particularly interested in there is the digitization aspect of this, because that would be an absolutely huge research resource if that ever actually comes to fruition. I mean, can you imagine a database that big you know, possibly even searchable for keywords as well, you know hundreds of thousands of of you know u f o case reports going back decades and I think it's really interesting the possibility of being able to use a i to actually analyze that huge database as well and as a i advances in the coming years, that could yield some very interesting results in picking out patterns in the data and whatnot. In fact, that's basically what Jacques Vallee has been trying to do. You know his involvement in creating huge databases and using his expertise in computer science to use AI to actually analyze the databases and whatnot. Uh, the difference is this would be completely open to the public rather than behind like layers of government secrecy and things like that. I suppose the concern here is though how much effort and resources would have to actually go into digitizing this database i mean like the sheer amount of work to do that you know be pretty intense and as a non-profit i would encourage anybody who's got the ability to do so to support the effort if you're interested in the topic so jeff bezos if you're listening buddy send him a few quid please and <laughs> uh get it get it kicked off in style so um anyway what do you guys uh think of this and we'll I'll go with uh, you ash i think mate
1: yeah, I mean, it's awesome. David Marlar, top guy. I'm just. Uh,
2: there we go. Look at that, eh? Great, great book. <laughs> Snap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, my own site, it was a triangle UFO. So obviously, I've always been interested in his work with triangle UFOs. That's uh, awesome. I mean, it's a great thing. And it's not like the only one either, because uh, there's Klaas Svan in Sweden. He's done a very, very similar thing recently, setting up the UFO Sweden sort of archive. Came over to the UK and got hundreds and thousands of boxes worth of documents and sent them over to Sweden then the process of going through all that. So we've got the one in Sweden. It's one with David Marlowe, obviously USA. We all know they got more information probably than anybody else. So yeah, it's a really good thing and talk about like the resource side of it. I mean UFO Identify we're very, very small scale. And the cost involved just for that is hard. So again, when I think anything when it comes to the UFO field is funding and trying to get the, the backers or whatever to actually be able to do it it's great great in prairie and like i say to have all these archived and put online for anyone to read monumental effort and the cost it could be monumental to to do it just just in staffing alone mm. the amount of time it's going to take to do all that so it's awesome uh, i think you're more likely to head out to albuquerque see it rather than see it online i think it's going to be the uh Way to go in the near future, at least. It's mm-hmm. the only way to see it, probably. Uh, but yeah, good stuff. Like, say, so got the one in Sweden. With, uh, I think his name's Class Swan. Think and in the UK, we've got John Hansen's Sort of got his kind of historical UFO little office. You can go and visit for ten pound. See all the files from the last seventy years or so. they in Berkshire. so there's a few of them. Obviously, not on the scale of even Marlers, but yeah, good stuff.
2: Yeah, it sounds really interesting. I, I, I'm not exactly sure about this, but I'm, I'm pretty confident I've heard David Mahler saying that he's got the largest like, physical collection of UFO files in the States already. And I'm pretty sure his actual personal collection is going into this. And um, I know that there's been other uh, UFO researchers from around the world. There was somebody who Philip Mantle knows uh, from in the UK, who actually sent uh, when he passed away, he sent all of his files to David yeah. Marler. So, um, I forget who, who it was, um, but yeah, there's going to be a serious amount of uh of files there. And, and like you say, I think realistically, it's going to be a case of going there, isn't it? Because the, the sheer amount of work involved in getting that digitized, but you know, we can we can hope, like I say, I don't know if Bezos tunes in, but listen, if you are, mate, you can you can definitely get it kick started. Um, I, th- I
1: think it is Philip Mantle himself who started sending over his stuff
2: ah right okay sort of
1: in advance so, so it's with someone he knows he can trust to get the yeah. information keep it safe
2: yeah well it's a, it's a good home for the uh, for the for the documents and the files that's for sure what do you reckon Dave
0: yeah he's been building up that ar- archive for years Marler, and it was a few years ago I remember hearing him on a podcast about three years ago he was saying he was starting to digitise it then he was getting volunteers in the whole thing he got a uh, the Heinecks finder from QFOS in America, Center for UFO Studies in the archive, which had all the Hynax papers in it. So he's certainly got Hynax papers. It. But it's a matter in which he's, you know, he's got all the original things, some of the reports with Hynac's pen on it and all the rest of it. So that's brilliant, but the digitization, as you say, is absolutely key. And I'm presuming, they obviously must be scanning the docs, but there must be some program, I'm presuming this, that can read a scanned document searchable document. It must be. I mean I don't know. Just to assume that. But that's that's the key for me to actually do it. I didn't know about that Swedish archive, but and I also think I think you said this to me, Frank, could maybe put the RSAP eventually, you could potentially see all the RSAP files or some of them going into that. Because they set up this big repository, uh, it could become a really big thing. I think in terms of the marketing, you probably need to push the AI analysis and what it can do. Because, I mean, there's been loads of things with AI analysis. There's something about the momentum of a thing on a pendulum. And they come up with three different potential solutions that humans had never thought of to how that could work. So, that, And they do it with photographic spotting and all sorts of things. So it's a real mega potential, you know, increase. So you could market that as a very good thing. So I think you probably need to up the marketing. Because I would put my hand... Well, I will put my hand in it to support you. But I think a lot of people would. But I don't think people understand the implications. The thing, of course, is you've got this archive of the impossible, which I'm sure you guys on the Paranormal Podcast, uh, you know, on that side of it. With Jeffrey Kripal, as at Rice University. You've already got a big archive around uh, near-death experiences and all the rest of it. That's a big thing. That's got UFO stuff in as well, and that's really interesting. So you can see these little critical masses of knowledge building up. And I think there must be something to putting that together so it's analyzable, But uh, it is a massive task to digitise it. So, so I think it's uh, it's really good. And I think if the academics, and maybe a way to get the academics in as well, they have got a lot of stuff they can look at at the leisure. And uh, it really is worth supporting. But the AI, to me, I don't think we quite yet understand the power that will give us in terms of analysing stuff. But if you haven't digitized it, you've no chance, have you? He's done a lot of recordings as well, vocal stuff. There was one he said on this podcast where he was recording onto the computer, onto a computer and the tape started burning or was going into dust as he was recording. And thank God he recorded the first take all in one. Because this tape mm-hmm. had disintegrated as he was playing it. Can you imagine that? The stress of that. So he's got loads of stuff on that archive, loads of really an interview from the forties it was. So yeah, I, I I think it's a fantastic effort, and I, I'll definitely be supporting it. And I think if they market you better, a lot more people will support. You.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, a couple of uh, points I wanted to make there: the the being able to um, scan something in and then search from it. I think that is kind of um, a lot easier to do these days. I actually figured this out for my iPhone recently which is absolutely amazing. If anyone's listening and this is useful for you, check it out. There's a little setting you can click on your iPhone where you can take a picture of like a newspaper and then you can actually copy and paste text right out of a photograph. Oh. I was like blown away. I felt like I was living in the future when I re- realized <laughs> you could do that. But it, honestly, it's so useful for um for like, you know, making notes if you're researching and things like that because you can just take a picture of the screen, take a picture of, a like I say, an article, something out of a book, like imagine like a paragraph you wanted to quote out of a book, take a picture of it, just copy and paste right out of the photograph and paste it into wherever you want it. Amazing. Wow. So obviously, um, yeah, it's the, we're living in the future guys. And, um, you know, obviously I would imagine there's, uh, there clearly must be a way that you can do that on an iPhone. You must be able to do that if you were digitizing documents. But again, uh, it just takes ages, doesn't it? You know, to, to go through page after page and scan them all in in that format, and then you know you'd have to have a huge like server or whatever they call it to actually store them on and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I believe, and I've not got the any notes on this to hand, but I think Jack Valet actually started assembling a massive database when he was actually working with NIDS um, for this very reason, and then that that database actually then migrated across to ORSAP and um i believe it's it's still not available to the public that's the one you were talking about isn't it dave and i think part of the reason that valet did that was for that very reason because obviously he's a computer science kind of whiz and the plan was to be able to actually use ai analysis on that huge database but as i say then you know if that ends up at some point becoming public and part of this database you'd have a, a pretty large amount of data to get through there wouldn't you so it'd be exciting to see how it all plays out going forward. But yeah, excellent work by David Marler and his his crew. Um, what do you reckon, Greg? I don't think I've asked you yet, have I, mate? No, you've left me out. That's <laughs> fine.
3: <clears throat> no, so just harking back to AI, just to talk about that quickly. So, if anybody has been on social media recently, there's lots of programs. Um, Dali is one of them that will create artwork specifically, just using some words that you use to describe something and it will, it will create the image for you. So if they can do that with visual stuff and using it to, to think for itself about what you want to, to see, then I can only imagine what they can do with some words on a page and how they can best use that, because they'll be able to pull stats out of there like nobody's been able to do before. Um, the downside will be server size, I think. That's the, the main bit, along with people to scan the pages. But once those pages are scanned, that as long as it's sort of open source as well, if they can get it to an open source state so people can just pull the data, I think that becomes an amazing tool. And people could just pay like a like a genealogy site where you pay like five or a month or 10 or a month to access all the data. I think people, that would be a way that you could raise funds because you're providing all the data, but people can only, they have to do it on a recurring basis. That's That'd be a good way to, to pull it up. So if there's stuff always being added, that gives the, the hook that people can keep paying for it that they can't mass download everything, so they can't just pull the whole database down and not pay for any more. But I think computers and computer processing power now compared to when the reports were written going back decades, it's it's invaluable that they get it digitised. And like Dave said, if there's a way people can support that, they definitely should. If the UFO Twitter community put their money where their mouth is and stop uh, infighting all the time. You think you'd only need a subscription model for $5 or $10 a month from everybody, and that resource would just be immense. But obviously, haters are going to hate. People will not want to further other people's causes. So that's where another problem will come. And then there'll always be the infighting, as there is with everything, when people become successful, people dislike that. So I think from from my point of view, I think this would be an amazing resource for people to learn stuff if they didn't already know about the, the cases. It's a great tool that people could just dip in and out in one place. And I think if you make it in one place, like a Wikipedia or, or whatever, that's just that's perfect for people like me who haven't got the time or the brain power to even know where to search. If I just go one place, like a one-stop shop for all the good stuff, that's that's phenomenal.
2: Yeah, no, that's a really um, good idea, and uh, might actually be. You know, I, I imagine they're probably already considering that, but I might, I might actually try and, and reach out. I'll take a percentage. yeah reach out and suggest it but like you say i mean the thing is with this is it's a non-profit organization so even if people hate you know they can just hate and hate all they want but the fact is if you had a subscription platform like that and people were willing to pay to get access to that database like you say there's plenty of people on twitter who uh, you know love nothing more than sifting through documents you know digital documents or real documents And, and that's you know that that's um open source analysis isn't it amongst the community and anybody who's willing to pay for that subscription with it being a non-profit that's just going to go straight into a pot that pays for the website and pays for more digitization so the more people who sign up the more documents end up going on there i think it's a really good idea um, what did you want to say, Dave? You want to jump in there?
0: Well, mate? well you you could use. I, mean, I was just maybe thinking as you were talking, you could use a uh, UFO Twitter sort of argument, argumentative tendency. You could sort of put rumors around of who's put a tenner in, who's put a five, and you could all argue about <laughs> that. Put more, put, put, put more money in. Put more money in. But but I mean, I don't know about a subscription because I would I would do that. But I think people sometimes are turned off by subscription because they think they should not pay. But I think if they had a campaign about just putting the money in. Just to support it, I think that could be effective as well. I'd be Probably something worth looking at. But what I was going to say was, just thinking about the AI, I've seen in some of the best books I've read is where they create a profile for potential different things. And you look at the profile, then you compare it across a load of cases. And this sort of AI will do that effortlessly. You could say, tell me all the cases where they've got red eyes and a black suit or something like that, CT thing. That would roll them all out. Or you might even say, right, what do you think is the most likely scenario? And it might say, well, we reckon there's three different alien races. There's one living underground, and there's obviously a couple of weird, ex- you know, dimension. I know what I'm just talking. But the point is, you could ask that sort of sophisticated question of the database, and it, it could be really, re- another again, a step change in the way we were able to, because comparison is the key to this field, and it's so difficult to do it. But once you start to see patterns, then that sort of sets you free in a way. And that's why I think it's so powerful. As long as it's not like the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, you know, where they say, what's the answer to the 42, you know, the meaning of the life, universe and everything. As long as it's not that, I think it could be a mega tool for us to start really seriously being able to use vast quantities of data and ask some really big questions.
3: Do you think, though, that you have got you mentioned about different pockets of people, and you mentioned Ash that there's like some in the UK and some in Sweden. Do you think there's there would be um, a passion from those people involved to collectively bring together resources? No. no. Why, why is that?
0: I, why is that? Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's really fascinating answer.
3: So
1: it's it's crazy. It's it's when I first started. But it's the reason why I first started UFO identified like three or four years ago, because I was trying to find the information and I just couldn't find the information. So I thought I'm going to find it out myself and put it out there, which is what our website is. So I've reached, I mean I speak to a lot of all the like sort of researchers around the UK to try and do that just to just on a small scale, pool our information, pool our resources and get more information out there. So that it's there for people to read or to see it. Some will, some are very, very open. I'm good friends with quite a few people around the UK. We share a lot of information. Other groups just will not share the information. It's theirs. They want to keep it. And that, so I ask them, like, well, what do you do with it? Do you put it on your website? Do you put it anywhere? No. Okay, so someone makes a report to you. What happens? Oh, we have it. I was like, yeah, but then what? This It's ours. We don't do anything with it. So it's like, so what, what's the point? Like, and they won't share. It. And it's it's case of like it's mine. No one else is touching it. And so I mean, and so I guess on a broader scale, when you have especially when money comes into it, you're always going to get the people accusing people to trying to make money out of people, of tearing, Which I mean, the amount of work that this David Marler organization is going to have, just like you say, there's it's, it's not in it to make money. None of us are in it to make money because you have to be sort of the very very small percentage. And yeah, the amount of work to do, you have to do it. And the people that do make money probably deserve it because the amount of work they do. And but you're always gonna get the people saying doesn't it for the money. And then when you got like like you got class in Sweden, David in the USA, John in the UK, they might want to work together, they might want to pool it. But then it sort of comes down to ownership and that's when things start to get a bit tricky. Like, oh we, we have a bigger database, so we should have more share of the money, it gets a bit too how do we sort of organise all this? So that's, I imagine, be one of the main reasons. And another reason will be people just don't want to work together. And I find that to my frustration, like because the only information we get we put out there for people to see. So far as what's the point? And some people won't do that, and it's very, very frustrating. Which means it's up to them they want to do that. But then, because people say to me like, "I I reported this, but I never heard anything back of it." And they're like, so I don't know, like i give given my information, my personal story, first time I told anyone, and then never heard anything back. So They feel a bit like, a bit confused and a bit wondering why, what, and then they don't want to tell anybody else then because I get the same response. And that's from like a established UFO group, for example. So I can definitely see difficulties. And sort of talking about subscription model, again, I've got experience in this because for our UFO UK database, we have a subscription level, which starts at £2 a month. And people will pay. And they even know you pay. As a, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: As an example.
0: I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and it's that, and not that, an like, advert for you, actually. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> <not> plugging <laughs> things. No, no, but
0: it's right. Because it, you know they're doing the work, and it's bloody expensive. So you don't mind, yeah. don't mind at all. And that's why I did it, actually.
1: But, yeah, well, and, and again, if people like you, that helps us keep going because – in the four of us that do you have identified, you don't get any money. The amount of hours the whole team put in every single week, every day. The cost of the website, the renewal's up again in January. and like, and every year it gets more expensive, but the website's bigger. We need the bigger service base and stuff every year. So I'm looking at January thinking, it's going to be a big outlay in January. So we're going to be pushing the memberships again, just, to, just for the cost of the website, and that's all it goes towards. Nothing towards us for hours, our time, our research. It's purely for the upkeep of the website. People are still like, oh, yeah, it's trying to make money. But, yeah, no one makes money. Probably you don't do.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that 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 leads us on uh, quite nicely, Ash, to some of the... the upcoming ufo identified events you were saying earlier on that you had you have quite a busy time of year so do you have any any bits and bobs you'd like to, to talk about anything coming up that's going to be interesting
1: uh, we were going to have an event in november um just due to venue issues um that didn't go ahead uh, we have a members only christmas get together Um just again because obviously when you're part of the membership scheme you get other benefits like we'll have invite-only events, as well as our public events. We've got a Skywatch coming up on the 10th of December, up in Chorley. And so we have these things going on. And it's busy this time of year because with our database, and our we put out monthly reports and our annual report. So now we're starting to make sure we've got all the information we need. So this is when we submit over 100 FOI requests in December. And obviously, you have to monitor them coming back in, getting information from them. Sending out all your information, contacting airports, military bases, governments, officials, departments. So that all happens in December mostly. That's where we sort of hanker down and start pushing all this stuff out. On top of writing articles, updating the website, updating the database, and everything else, I'm putting events on. So, yeah, very busy.
2: Yeah, and some, uh, some cool bits to look forward to, hopefully, for 2023 as well. Eh? Yeah, some big, big, big plans for
1: some UK first as well next year. So uh, I mean, yeah, there is a part yeah. of your data,
0: though, isn't there, Asha, in the UK? So what you're doing is really important. I can't believe you put that many requests in. Jesus, that is some going, actually, our time consuming it. But there is a big part of it, so it's important work, you know, just to get it going. So I mean, I, I as you know, I love that conference we went to recently. and It had a really good vibe, as you know. Even though it was dealing, I went to the one at Manchester and that wasn't as good because it felt very commercial and all the rest of it. Yet, yeah, yet you guys were dealing with as much of a, a range of subjects, but it just felt a bit more collegiate and it was decent. You know, I enjoyed it. But it is a good platform to maybe raise awareness about the other stuff you're doing because it's really important. And, and like, I think that's a throwback, you know, about people not sharing like a throwback to the old world of ufology, where they all thought they had the Holy Grail and uh, they better not tell anybody. Pathetic, really. Mm. So let's hope this, and given the prominence you've got with doing the events, sort of sets that standard, because the UK bloody needs. God, do we need We need the data, you know?
1: We're trying. We do try.
2: Yeah, and I'd, as always, I'd, I'd encourage anybody to get on the, the website, ufoidentified.co.uk. Is that right, Ash? And uh, yeah, support yeah. support the cause. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave a link in, in my episode description. And obviously, this show goes out on on uh, you guys' podcast as well. And I'm sure you'll be able to stick a link in there um, as well. And um, it's just, for me, it's another example of what we're talking about. There's plenty of kind of like people hyping up and, you know, all the rest of it. We're going to spill all the beans in a couple of days. And then there's a lot of very good research going on in the background as well, um, like what you guys are doing like you know the david marler database and plenty of other you know sensible researchers putting a lot of good work into the topic and those are the ones even though it might not be necessarily like an attention grabber like somebody saying that all all disclosure is going to unfold in the next 24 hours and things like that that's just the good stuff for me you know what i mean and um Another um, one, we're going to wrap up in a minute, but um, another really good example of that is the Loose Threads article uh, that's come out. Now, I've talked about this on my podcast a couple of times uh, at great length, And it's a really, really in-depth article. It's like 246 pages long. Um, So we're not going to go into that too much detail now, but uh, that's also something that's happened just over the last couple of weeks. And uh, I would recommend that everybody go check that out. Uh, Myself and Dave are going to be doing an episode uh, on on my podcast um, over the next coming weeks all about that. So even though we're not going to be digging into that too much detail right now, um, plenty of information to follow uh, on that. So, anyone got anything to add before we wrap up another roundtable?
0: I've got one thing. I'm sure you'd be happy to know. Uh, <laughs> Go for <laughs> it, mate. Got one thing, Danny. We've heard a lot recently. We had Danny Sheehan in his interview again. And Lou said this, Melinda Leslie said it recently. The consensus seems to be the phenomenon is seen is of extraterrestrial origin, right? That's what they say. I'm not. No, I'm going to caveat this. Uh, and they're saying there's big, strong evidence for that. So, I mean, I, I try and keep it all light because I, I, I genuinely try not to decide. Equally, me and Frank were doing quotes of Jim Semivan and other people saying it's an it's lived there for ages. It's, uh, you know, it's a trickster. It's got these different characters. You guys are doing stuff on your show about that very phenomenon we see that isn't obviously extraterrestrial. And so I think it's really interesting. It's sort of highlighted to me, but the possibility of, of, of a number of things coexisting, because we sort of say it and it you know, feels like a lazy thing to say, you know, oh, it could be it's a mixture of everything. But actually, to me, the ev- there's evidence of both things. We've got Valet, Keel, all these different people talking about different stuff. So I think that's, that was really interesting, the strength of the evidence on the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Things that up, you know, and I wonder if there's a scenario where we're thinking of a freeway contact, uh, freeway sort of thing between us, the ET, and whatever the other presence is on the planet. I mean, I don't know if any of this is well. I know we're here, but I don't know about the rest of it. But but it, that's to me was really interesting uh, to hear those people who've been at it for ages and part of that loose friends. A lot of them talk about the ET thing. Uh, very very interesting. So just to leave everybody. Or people listening with that thought uh, uh, about how these things are surfacing now and people are being more definite than they have been?
2: Yeah, very interesting uh, cliffhanger to leave us on there, Dave. (laughs) Very, Very good, mate. Anybody got anything to add? Nope. Nope well i think we'll leave it there it's been an absolute pleasure as always it's become a bit of a monthly tradition that i, I look forward to doing so uh yeah always a pleasure thank you all It's been a good and i'll see you next I'll month see you
0: at christmas really cheers frank yeah, cr- yeah christmas christmas yeah. roundtable oh marvellous yes <laughs> okay. ho 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 UFO <laughs> roundtable. round table The
2: UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts.